Okay, welcome back to another episode of You Didn't Need to Know This, our last episode of the podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, Here with Sid, as usual. You want to say hi? Hello. (laughs) We are here today with um, the one and only um, Mrs. Jen Lowe. Um, um, So we wanted to get, just start right off. Um, Where do you come from? Where are you born? Where were you born? (laughs) Where are you born? (laughs) It's the past tense. But <laughs> yeah. well, my story is a little unique, and it always comes up in class. At least it seems like it comes up in class because I have this unique accent, which is this hodgepodge of all the places that I've lived and where I was born. I was actually born in Arlington, Virginia, just outside D.C., and I was the product of my father having moved from West Virginia to D.C. for construction work, mm-hmm. no jobs in West Virginia, and my mom having grown up in the city, and they met and, you know, teenage love. and. Uh, that's where I was born. However, in the 70s, living in DC, like probably most cities, maybe not the best place to raise kids. So my parents decided when I was about five to go back to West Virginia where my dad was from. So my whole educational experience was in a little tiny one-stop light town called Petersburg. And uh, the, it was a good place to grow up for kids. You know, it was quiet, it was safe and peaceful. Uh, but one thing I did know, probably like most people feel when they're in Altoona, is I wanted to leave there when I was 18. So I chose some place that was kind of far away to North Carolina. I went to a college called Guilford, a little small liberal arts school. I really liked it because it was very open-minded, kind of different from growing up in, you know, provincial Mm-hmm. backwoods West Virginia and it gave me a whole new exposure to life so mm-hmm. my accent starts off with this city speed I talk a little too fast I feel like I learned <laughs> that in my first five years then I got this mountain twang that you know, worked in in my formative years in West Virginia went to the mm-hmm. south so I get a little southern drawl in there every now and then the <laughs> y'alls and stuff um, so you know went to college in North Carolina lived there and then after I graduated, I also moved to the eastern part of North Carolina and lived in both Greensboro and Greenville, which is odd, and stayed there for a couple of years. I actually met my first husband at the end of my college experience, and that began a process of moving for his jobs. So I lived in a couple of different places in the south. We moved uh, then to Memphis, Tennessee, and we were there for a little while. Um, and then his job actually kind of like picked up and moved him someplace else. So we ended up in Missouri, just south of St. Louis. So that was kind of a neat experience living there. And eventually his job took him to Pennsylvania, which was interesting because it brought me back to more of the East Coast and closer to family, which was great. Um, but not too long after we were here, we actually split. And I had started teaching at Altoona and we moved in 2000. So I started teaching in Altoona the year after that. And it kind of seemed faded that maybe that, you know, relationship wasn't meant to last. And I ended up back here closer to where family was and where I happened to be working with Mr. Lowe. Uh, mm-hmm. And we eventually, uh, you know, started dating. And uh, we've been together now since 2003. Wow. That's when I was born. Oh, that makes <laughs> me feel so old. <laughs> so is... Um, because you've been so many places and all that, did you have like different teaching jobs then? Yeah. Or Because this would have been the longest place that you've been and worked at. It is. This is my 20th year now in, in Altoona. And before that, I just had worked, like most was a year and a half in a place. And that was a yeah. good thing about I could pick up and get a job kind of anywhere as a teacher where you know my husband at the time was moving for his, his business job. Um, so I, I first worked as you know, student taught in 
Greensboro, North Carolina. My first mm -hmm. teaching job was in Greenville, North Carolina. Actually, my first teaching job was as a substitute in a third grade classroom. Oh, it really, that sounds... Oh, it was awful. <laughs> it cemented that I'm not an elementary teacher, I will tell you that. Um, but it kind of got my foot in the door in a district, and then I, I worked in a, a school in that same town the next school year, but I was only there uh, a year and a half, and then we moved to Memphis, mm -hmm. and I didn't have a full-time job there because we were only there about a year and a half, uh, but I was subbing in school districts in, in Tennessee, and then I had about two years worth of work in Missouri at a school there, so I've been in so many different schools. But the great part of that experience is is becoming familiar with you know what different parts of the country are like and what people are like mm -hmm. and being able to share that with everyone um, I don't know if that makes me terribly well-rounded it's not like I've you know mm -hmm. lived and traveled in great metropolises and things of mm -hmm. that nature but I, I feel like I have garnered a lot of knowledge about America mm -hmm. yeah definitely more experience I mean I've never lived in another place than Altoona yeah, I've always been have you no I but I think I'm pretty cultured I'd like to say that. <laughs> is there, do you see then a difference when you go to other places and you've lived there for a while between Altoona and like the South and up here in D.C.? Do you see like a difference with people, culture? It's a great question because I feel like people are kind of the same everywhere. Huh. And I, everybody has cultural nuance. Like, if you go yeah. to the South and people are more likely to say, ma'am and sir and that kind of thing and drink their sweet iced tea. But ultimately, mm -hmm. people are people and Everybody has, you know, their weaknesses and their strengths, and, and you, you see little nuances and differences that really aren't that significant as far as what defines people. And we're always trying to kind of like escape and find a new place to live and have that be a place where we're going to be happy. But really, you have to be happy with yourself and find those things that make you happy because this place isn't ever going to define you you know, maybe it brings more opportunities. Maybe mm -hmm. you want to be around more cultural things, you'll be able to go to museums and things of that nature. But ultimately, like each morning you're waking up and looking at yourself in the mirror and are you doing each and every day, mm. no matter where you live, something that makes you happy and fulfills you. Yeah, and because you moved so much, is that, is change then easy for you? You know what, that's, that's something that I was terrified of when I was younger is change, and I think it did become a lot easier for me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, moving a lot was just a pain when it comes to the logistics of packing yeah. everything mm -hmm. and, and moving it. Now I kind of like dread the idea if I had to do that again, I'm like, oh, I don't know that I could. Uh, but it did become easier. It was very mm -hmm. scary at first, but it, once you've done it a couple of times, it became kind of exciting. It's like, oh, it's a new adventure to go to a new place and, mm -hmm. and try it. And I, w I am grateful that that happened when I was younger. So I moved a lot during my 20s. And that's yeah. probably you know, good advice for people is not to be afraid of kind of like picking up and trying something new um, mm -hmm. when you're young because, you know, you get married, maybe you have family and you buy the mm -hmm. house. It's a little harder once you have those responsibilities to kind of pick up and move. Um, so, yeah, it, it was a good experience for me in that way. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to something earlier about you saying what fulfills you every day. What fulfills you when you're a teacher, like as a teacher, what, what fulfills you the most from... Mm -hmm. I can't... <laughs> big question, Kate. <laughs> I don't know. Question, like, what, yeah. what do you think? Like, the students probably, I would think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you don't become a teacher for the money. That sounds so cliche. Mm -hmm. you know? yeah. um, and some people say, oh, you become a teacher for the summer vacations. And those are nice. But really, it's all about people and wanting to make the world a better place. 
and that sounds cheesy and corny, but mm. uh, when I first wanted to become a teacher, it was because I had a good role model as a teacher. I loved my English teacher, and, and I was good at English stuff, so it kind of seemed like the natural path, and that's why I initially wanted to become a teacher. Mm. But when I was in college, and I was like learning more about you know society and thinking more about humanity, and I realized that education is the great equalizer. And it really is, public education, I should say, is the great equalizer. So in America, we take it so for granted. But even for somebody like me, I grew up in a blue collar working class family. We didn't have a lot of money. And going to college through being able to be successful in my public education opened opportunities for me. So I really like seeing students blossom and grow as human beings. I think that's what I like about high school as opposed to elementary mm -hmm. is there's that intellectual growth and, and opening of eyes to the world and possibility and seeing individuals grow into their own personalities and becoming who who they're meant to be mm -hmm. so are you did you then always want to teach secondary because you said you had the third grade class did that kind of yeah. shift your mind and think no this is they're just too young for me and then you just wanted to teach high schoolers Definitely, it cemented it for me. I think I always do that. I kind of like the intellectual mm -hmm. intellectual challenge, um, and I I'm the youngest of the siblings in my household, so I didn't really spend a lot of time around younger kids. I think if you maybe you have younger brothers and sisters or cousins and things of that nature, and your babysitter, mm -hmm. it's, it's something maybe you gravitate more to. But I never did. I always kind of liked the the thinking deeply about literature and writing and and all of that jazz. Mm -hmm. And going back to um, the teacher that you said that you had that was really good and inspired you then to get into teaching, was there ever a teacher or professor then that you had that maybe discouraged you or maybe gave you second thoughts? I did kind of have an experience in college or my first, my first introduction to education course mm -hmm. as, a, as a freshman in college. The professor just seemed so cold and I, he, I didn't care for him a whole lot and he kind of made me question <laughs> education. But at the same time, then I had um, an English professor mm. who really inspired me and, and made me think about the teaching literature in a way that was going to expand mm -hmm. um, my ability to be successful as an educator by helping people grow through literature. Because mm. I think it really, I mean, teaching is so important because depending on what the teacher that you have, it can really change how you view the subject. I know people that get in there, they really like a certain subject, and then a teacher that they have completely just throws it off. Everybody's turning in books, and it's a little chaotic this year because of so many people being virtual. It's like, oh, throwing yeah. books at you, yeah. How has that been? Because you've been here for a while, but you've never had virtual, right? That's a new experience, I think, for all teachers. Entirely. Challenging is probably the best word. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm trying to keep the glass half full for everybody. Like, oh, look back at like, what's been good about this experience because we've learned perseverance and grit and all these mm -hmm. things. At least I hope that we have. Um, and adapting and overcoming. Yeah. But at the same time, so many people just didn't have the emotional skill set or the support systems in place to make it a successful year for them. And I, I feel badly for those students who's kind of been a, a lost year. Uh, and it, that's, it, it makes me sad to think about those mm -hmm. things, but I'm trying to focus on the positive where it has been a learning experience. As a teacher, it's helped me grow. Uh, Mr. Lowe and I have talked about how in some ways we feel like we've become better teachers through this because we've been challenged to do new things and yeah. you know, become 
more tech savvy on how to deliver curriculum and create new things. Mm-hmm. Um, but overcoming some of those, the apathy, I guess, is the biggest challenge um, for me when it comes to engaging with my students. I feel like personality and being there and, yeah. and getting students excited, I can only do face-to-face. The, through the screen where you know people had cameras off it just we didn't make those personal connections and I couldn't get people excited mm-hmm. about the same things that I was excited about they could tune out way, way too easily so yeah. I, I really learned the, the value of having people together in this communal setting of education and it being mm-hmm. a, a sense of community where we're learning together and that's part of it it's not just an intellectual component which at first I think I naively, naively thought we could do through the screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to a certain extent you can do it. You can do the academics, but you, you're missing that personal connection mm-hmm. that is so valuable to education. You, I took it for granted. Because then when we, we had the hybrid, but then we went back to virtual, and then when we fully came back, mm-hmm. it, was, it was funny to see how different people were. And not that people weren't nice before, but everyone was just so, hey, how you doing? Because you just didn't see people forever face to face. And it's crazy how you take that for granted and then you're behind a screen and you're like, oh, this is much better in person. So true. Solitary confinement. Yes, it really was. Mm-hmm. And we're social beings. We are social social beings. Even mm-hmm. those people who are introverted, I think they realize, yeah. oh, I, I need other <laughs> other people. Yeah. It's like I I think everybody got like a you know, a depression during that. I would assume mm-hmm. and you know, it's I'm I think we're all I'm very sociable. Um, Especially now, I think more so. mm -hmm. That it's like, oh, this is fun to do. Now it's because it's good to see people again. And I imagine next year, too, I have no idea what it's going to look like. Has the school said anything about what next year will look like? Chris, everything's fluid. Anything Mm -hmm. can change at any time, depending upon what happens. Uh, But if everything keeps going well, uh, the plan is not to have any kind of virtual or hybrid option. If you would like Mm -hmm. to be virtual, because for some people they find that that does work for them, it needs to be in the cyber academy Mm -hmm. where you're fully choosing to be virtual because splitting splitting classes between in-person and having some on the screen at home just doesn't work because it's mm-hmm. not equitable. Uh, yeah. there, there are aspects of it that aren't fair and you know the person at home thinks that they're engaging in the classroom but they're not. They're not getting the full experience. So if they want to have that experience from home they need a completely different uh, setup that is designed for that and that would be cyber school. So mm-hmm. it will be, unless things change, knock on wood, okay, right. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, we'll, we'll be back to normal. So to speak, next year there will be, as always, a cyber uh, academy option for people who want to want to do virtual, but no more hybrid, no more split, except for I think this idea of snow days being a thing of the past. Oh, oh no! Yeah. That'll be a reality. Thank God, we got out right in time. Yeah. Snow days used to be so much fun in elementary school. You go out and play in the snow. I do. I feel bad. I'm so flip flop about the weather. Anyways, <laughs> I, I like I don't like the summer when it's hot, but I and then I like and I miss the winter, and then when I get the winter, I'm well. Now it's raining all the time and humid. Oh, it's so humid today. I know. I don't. I don't like the heat. Do you? Because you lived in the south. How is the heat there unbearable? It's unbearable. You you oh live in the air conditioning, so oh, it's that's really horrible. horrible. Yeah, and I don't like air conditioning, so I, I need like that moderate temperature. This is kind of a good place for me in the country. I've discovered that. Mm-hmm. The further south you go, the more well. It's actually pretty humid in Pennsylvania uh, yeah. compared to the south, but you 
jack up the temperature, you know, another 10, 15 degrees and mm -hmm. keep that humidity high and you just, you have to live indoors. But we have, I mean, we get snow and stuff and we go through all this We season. go through everything basically. Yeah. yeah. Just not, know. we don't really have any of the, the natural disasters. No. Like they do, yeah, or down in hurricanes, right? They have those. Yeah, it gets a bad hurricane winds. Even in Western North Carolina, you get a lot of, of that still strong force coming across the state. So mm -hmm. some flooding and, and tornadoes were a big deal. Uh, but I really miss the seasons when I, I lived in the South because the, mm -hmm. the leaves fall off the trees. They turn a color maybe for like two days and then they're gone. Uh, so you don't get that autumn season and the, all the changing of the colors and the weather yeah. slightly cooling down. I love autumn. That's my favorite time of year. So that is one thing that was disappointing about living in another part of the country. I really like being able to experience all four seasons here. Mm -hmm. You mentioned uh, before we started recording that you and Mr. Lowe like to travel and you like to go to um, you said museums and stuff? No, uh, natural parks. Na oh, natural, natural the, the national parks. parks. National parks. National parks and stuff. We're very avid national parks fans. And, oh, they're such a great experience. I highly recommend anybody who's enthusiastic about traveling to see America. And it's great to travel the world. I got to do a semester abroad program and see a lot of Europe when I was oh, in college. Wow. So that was awesome. Uh, but see America first because there's so much in America to see it's so vast once you cross the Mississippi and you get out to the far west it's a whole different world mm -hmm. you know you need to see the Grand Canyon you need to see Utah and go to California see you know Yosemite go to Yellowstone and the geysers it's just uh, it's an amazing experience now it's easy to do a cross-country road trip when you're a teacher and your spouse is a teacher because you can take three weeks off and just hit the road. Um, so that's been one of the best parts about teaching and being married to another teacher. Uh, but the national parks are just America's greatest idea is a, a t catchphrase for national park system. And it's so true. The national parks themselves are just beautiful wonders, but the national park system also has all the historic sites and mm. you know, literary sites where you go and learn more about, you know, Hawthorne or Mark Twain and married to a history teacher. So of course we're hitting the battlefields <laughs> yeah. and all of those sites too. But I, I love all of that because it just you know, increases your, your knowledge base and your understanding of, of humanity. Have you had a favorite national park that you went to? This is tough, but <laughs> I, I think uh, there's one in Wyoming called Grand Teton. And it's just south of Yellowstone. So Yellowstone is amazing because there's just so much there. But you go just south, and it's close to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and it's just spectacular. The mountainscape there is unique. I can see a photo of mountains, and I know that that's Grand Teton. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just so gorgeous. And the hiking, and you're out in nature. You truly are in the middle of nowhere, so you get away from it. And you kind of get back to nature mm -hmm. in a way that is really difficult to do. You know, even if you go out to Canoe Creek State Park, I'm deep in the woods and I can still hear traffic somewhere yeah, yeah. so mm -hmm. national parks really do get you away from from it all and you guys do a road trip you said we've done road trips um, for the last hmm, 12 years or so um, some of them are pretty huge we've done three where we drove completely across the country and oh, wow. and you do need a big chunk of time for that yeah. you, just, you just stop at different places along the way and it, that's just uh, an amazing experience We've also done smaller ones where we go, you know, we do the southeast part of the U.S. and we try to hit as many national parks along the way. Um, did northeast tour kind of thing. Um, last couple of summers, though, with the pandemic last year, we didn't travel. And the summer before that, um, we pared down a little bit because it was right after um, the transplant surgery that Mr. Lowe had. So we just did like a New York City jaunt 
but mm -hmm. even there, you got the Statue of Liberty, you've got Teddy Roosevelt's birthplace, and yeah, yeah. yeah Sagamore Hill. There's just so much uh, to do that we probably need to hit Pennsylvania. We yeah. haven't done all the things in Pennsylvania oh. we could do. Yeah, mm -hmm. and you have this summer. We have yeah. this now. This summer is opening up. Yes, with masks and regulations and stuff. So you could definitely do some of that. Get back on the road. Have you been to every state? I've not. There are five I haven't been to. Which five? <laughs> yeah, which ones have you? Uh, well, Alaska and Hawaii I haven't made it to, yeah. so I haven't gotten oh. to those. Um, and there's a lot of national parks in, in those two, eight in Alaska alone. So trying to do that bucket list of hitting every national park is really mm -hmm. challenging. Um, I Somehow in all of our crisscrossing of America, I never landed in Nebraska. We oh, really? North or south of it's like then the Dakotas and Kansas, mm -hmm. but somehow I miss Nebraska every time. Um, not actually been in Nevada either. Kind of circled everything around it, but not oh, actually wow. gone to Nevada. Yeah. Um, and then on the East Coast, oddly, I've never been in Delaware. Delaware, really? <laughs> Delaware is not that far away. Yeah, I'm shocked. But everything else, yeah, we've managed to hit at some mm -hmm. point. Well, are there any parks or any in Nebraska? I'm not sure. Probably Nebraska. They're probably pretty big. Yeah. yeah. Delaware, I, I swear would be. Delaware's pretty small. I yeah. Don't know. There's not mm -hmm. technically any national park parks. So there's like the national park system. You have like sites, and then you have parks. So mm -hmm. an actual park, um, like there's not one of those in Pennsylvania. There's oh, national okay. park sites, and, and even here we have Allegheny Portage, which is a national park site, but it's for historical reasons. It's not one of these like larger entities, and they've added a couple in the last couple of years. So I want to say it's up to like 63 maybe national parks, yeah. so they're actually kind of limited, and most of them are west of the Mississippi. There's not a whole lot mm. on the East Coast, like Acadia is in Maine. You've got the Great Smoky Mountains, which straddle North Carolina and Tennessee. Mm. There's some lesser known ones, like Ohio has one, Cuyahoga, Cuyahoga Valley. Um, yeah. But Pennsylvania doesn't actually have a park park. And there's a new one that just got named last year in West Virginia. The New River Gorge Bridge, which was a site before, is now a national park. Wow, you know, yeah, you you know a just lot about don't this. Don't write off the bat. You know all the park. names and the updates on everything? I'm, yeah. I'm a fanatic. <laughs> I can see that. I, I don't know much. I went to Delaware but it was on accident. I mean, my mom and I, we, we were, I forget where we were going, but it's where, we ended it's how up. everybody ends up in Delaware. Was it, yeah, somehow we ended up, we started driving and there was a sign. Have you, I'm, I'm assuming you guys use maps and stuff, but are you ever lost and end up in a state that you're like, oh, this isn't, you ever end up? This isn't where we were supposed to be? We have ended up in some odd places where you rely on a GPS mm -hmm. for something. And, and I'm like, oh, I need to go old school and get like a real map out and double check. It's, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so easy to rely on the GPS and you take a wrong turn. She wants you to go on a shortcut somewhere. And you're on this dirt road in the middle of nowhere. And you, music from Deliverance is playing in my mind. That's an illusion you probably don't get, and that's just as well. But it's just uh, creepy sometimes. But an adventure all the same. We've never, thankfully, run into like, huge problems. Flat tire we didn't expect here or there, and then trying to find a place to get that changed on mm -hmm. Sunday morning. You know? uh, run into little issues like that. But it, again, knock on wood somewhere. We haven't mm -hmm. run into any huge problems. How long are the road trips then? Because the one across the country, that hours and hours. Oh, yeah. oh yes. Um, yeah, the biggest ones we've taken were three plus weeks, usually like 25 days. And we'll kind of map them out and I plan ahead of time. I, I like to pick out a, a hotel route on the way. So, you know, 
kind of smart about money and you join the right yeah. you know, hotel um, rewards programs and you end up uh, getting better deals. But I'll map out. I'm like, okay, how far do I think we can drive in one day? And mm-hmm. um, when we first started doing this, we do like eight, ten hours in a day, which oh I would not do anymore. <laughs> it's yeah. like way too long. But you kind of plan out. It's like, okay, so I'm going to go this far. Um, let me find a hotel in this area, you know, that's a good price. Yeah. And I did make the reservations but then be like okay what's along the way you know what's an interesting little you know place where you can take a break after driving for four hours so we saw a lot of America just by um, accident sometimes mm-hmm. one of the great discoveries we had is we were driving through Oklahoma we're like okay there's nothing in Oklahoma but there is like we, we were driving along on I-40 and we saw a sign for the Oklahoma City Bombing Museum Oh. And, oh. and it wasn't on my radar at all. I didn't think about that. But we saw the road sign, and, you know, Mr. Lowe and I looked at each other, and we said, it's a detour we're going to have to take. We can't drive by and not experience that. So, mm-hmm. you know, it got us a little bit late to our destination that night. But, uh, you know, we, we stopped in in the city and took three hours to, to do that museum, and it was well worth it. Mm. Have you – the last podcast we did was with uh, Dr. S- uh, Zoltan, mm-hmm. who is a professor at Penn State, and he mentioned, which I never heard of, yeah. it's somewhere in New York. It's, it's a, a stand up comedy museum. Where Lucille Ball was born. There's a oh, little. Like, have you ever been I have there? not it's, been there. That sounds great. It's though. somewhere in New York. I forget where he said. Uh, oh, I forget what he but said. But they have, too. it's kind of like a museum, a dedication to stand up. Like a hit, the history yeah, of it. Yeah, where and Lucille Ball was born, and it's a little thing for her, too. Yeah. But it's also with comedy. But I yeah. don't know, do you guys. Because you go to the historical stuff, but yeah. do you hit kind of like those fun ones with like comedy and different stuff like that? We we do. Um, of course, fun's relative, right? As far as <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah, enjoy. Yeah. I said being an English teacher, I always try to find spots, uh, like when we were in Boston, um, finding outside of Concord where Hawthorne lived, mm. or um, going to the Longfellow house and seeing the, the tree that he wrote... Um, to the village blacksmith, there's a line about the village about the spreading chestnut tree, and I actually got to see the the chestnut tree, you know, cool. uh, where where he was writing about that particular location. So little things like that, I I, I like to work in where we can. Mm-hmm. It just adds to my ability to teach well, and yeah. it's something I'm passionate about and, mm-hmm. and love as well. Do you have plans then for the summer? Have you two planned where to go? Maybe. Oh. Yeah, things are so uncertain for the summer. Yeah. We were like, oh, you know, we don't want to commit too much. Um, so we hadn't, but we're thinking about doing the New River Gorge, uh, New National Park, going down mm-hmm. there and uh, checking it out. But then going back to my saying, we haven't really done everything in Pennsylvania yeah. that we should yeah. have. We're looking at doing like some state parks and, and traveling around uh, and seeing a little bit more of Pennsylvania and doing maybe some shorter, like, long weekend there trips. Is, there are a lot of museums in Pennsylvania. Like, there's... Yeah. Um, in Pittsburgh, there's a bunch. I've mm-hmm. been to. Oh, what's? I forget the name of it. Is it? What's that? It's an art one. Is it an art one? Is it, Is there a specific name for you it? Had the Carnegie Museum. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. That was a field trip. Well, then I don't know, but, but um, an, art, an art museum in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's the Railroaders Museum that's right over mm-hmm. there. Um, Which even though I mean I've lived in Altoona all my life in Pennsylvania, been... I think I did go one time. Um, but still, I, I definitely should go to more places. Like, I haven't really, in Pennsylvania, I don't know all the parks or the museums that we have. And it is, easy, it is so easy to take for granted what you have right here. 
Mm -hmm. I said the Railroaders Museum is great. The, the Portage Allegheny, um, which is train related, mm -hmm. um, national park site that is up the mountain a little bit as you're going towards Crescent. It's worth checking out. It's the Lemon House and actually Charles Dickens. There's a literary <laughs> connection. I uh, actually stayed there at one point. And you, you learn so much about how things developed in the 1800s in this country that I didn't even know with the canal system before. Uh, the trains were able to make that crossing. You know, you get into the Horseshoe Curve mm -hmm. history, and there's so many things there. Uh, yeah, so definitely need to check out even with Altoona mm -hmm. local history. Mm -hmm. I've been to uh, was it last year? My dad and I went to D.C. and we did all this. We went, we hit like everything, which that's a long walk. We decided to walk everything, which that was painful. But I really liked the museums in there. They're really well done with the art ones and stuff. Oh, I yeah. thought that was that was so cool. So I, I yeah, I like stuff like that. So mm -hmm. I should definitely do a road trip or something. Yeah. That is something we should get back to. Now that you bring that up, because the mall in, in Washington D.C. where the old Smithsonian museums yes. are is that where you went? Yeah. Uh, we Sorry. haven't been to the the new. It's not new anymore. It's a few years old. But the African American History Museum. Yeah. On the mall, we haven't been there yet. So that's. Ooh, that's maybe something another long weekend yeah, trip we can go. do is work that in. Uh-huh. Do you guys then always drive? You don't do uh, planes or you anything? Fly. Yeah. We typically don't fly, but we did have one fun trip where we did the train and we went all the way across oh, the country on the train. Cool. And that was and growing up in Altoona for Mr. Lowe, he's all about trains. That's a you know, in your blood in Altoona. So he was really excited about doing a cross country train trip. And that was a neat experience. You know, we took Amtrak and da 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 and that's when we went to the northwest and we did Washington State and all the, the national parks that are out there, you know, Mount Rainier and also Mount St. Helens. Uh, North Cascades, Olympia, there's all kinds of wow. great places there. So the train ride was long, yeah. <laughs> but we didn't have to drive. We got to you know, move around, and the food's actually really good on the dining cars mm -hmm. as you're, you're going across. Uh, we did have an interesting adventure on the way back, though, because the timing was really good. Everything was on schedule, but on the way back, something happened somewhere, and we got behind schedule, so we missed our connecting trains. Oh. And it's it's worse on trains when you miss your connection than planes because so few trains actually you know leave in America. If you're in Europe, you know they leave, they use trains. But it's like once a day. So if you miss your train connection, you're stuck in that city. We were stuck in Chicago for an additional night because we missed our connecting train that was going to take us back to Pittsburgh. So that oh jeez. So you had to get a you had to get just a room for the night. You had to get a room for the night. And uh, fortunately, because there were a lot of people who missed a connection, and it was it was Amtrak's fault, they did put us up in a, a hotel for the night, so oh, we didn't okay. have to make arrangements for that. Um, so that kind of worked out. It gave us a little extra time in Chicago, so there, there was something unscheduled where we walked around a little bit in uh, downtown Chicago. We found a money museum that <laughs> oh, <laughs> wasn't on our radar. Do they and give out money? <laughs> they actually did. They had, <laughs> they, they oh, money that had been shredded. You could actually get little packs of the, the shredded money as a bit of a, a memento of, of being there. Oh, It was kind of yeah. their, their Wall Street in Chicago. They oh, put a set up with, with how it gave a whole lesson. It was very centered on high school kids and elementary mm -hmm. and like getting them to understand finances. So had a little interactive things that were cute. Mm -hmm. Well, that's shredded money. I, th I was hoping they'd give you real, real money. Real money. <laughs> that's like Just, money with your face on it. That'd be. Oh, that'd 100. be cool. That would be cool. You get to take your picture and put it on. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> How is the train though? Because I've never been on a train. It was 
it, it's not like you envision in the movies or there's like this elegance you know of, of traveling old-fashioned old mm. style um, but it was very comfortable and we got mm, there's like different levels you can get for sleeper cars you can get one that's like really tiny and basically it kind of rolls oh. out from your seat into a cot and it's very tight and uncomfortable yeah. we did that for one phase of the trip when it was just overnight but when we got the train in Chicago and we took that same train all the way to um, the west coast uh, that was one where we had a nicer car you had your own little bathroom you had a, a sofa and tables and it, it was really nice and then somebody came as a porter and got your bed ready for you mm -hmm. folded it down for the night so that was that was nice it wasn't luxurious but, yeah. it, but it was comfortable because when I think I wonder if I would get because I get bad like motion sickness do you feel can you feel it moving is it do oh, you yeah. know the whole entire time? You know that you're on a train? You really do know you're on a train. Oh, that but, might be. Yeah, if you, motion sickness probably wouldn't go well. Yeah, I don't know if I do. Have you ever been on a, a boat or done a cruise or anything like that? Not a cruise, but I've done boats, like ferries, long distance. Yeah. Probably mm -hmm. the choppiest one was uh, when I was doing that, my semester abroad and I was in London. I took the ferry across Calais to France. And the water was really Whoa. choppy in the English Channel that day. Oh. oh, yeah. There were people who it was rocking a lot, and there were people who were getting sick. And I was like, oh, I don't want to see somebody get sick because then that's going to <laughs> give me problems. Yeah. But, oh my gosh. But how you do was... have to do the sea legs thing. Oh, I don't you like that. To... How was London? Like, what was that oh, like? I love London. <laughs> that's another like, great advice I'd give to students is if you have a college that offers a semester abroad program, take advantage. Totally do it. Mm -hmm. That was the best best experience I had so we actually uh, in this program got to spend the entire semester from August to December in London and we didn't have host families we actually had our own flats you know apartments and uh, we mm -hmm. lived together we got a stipend for money to buy our own food that's kind of the downer is you really do have to be independent and take care of yourself and it's not yeah. enough money to like eat out so <laughs> you have to do the grocery shopping and all of that we had a stipend so we could ride the tube or the bus or whatever um, you know kind of worked best for where we were housed, but our classes were taught by you know professors in a, a London university, and it was great because we had an art and architecture class, and every week there was a field trip where we'd go someplace, and you actually would see the you know an art museum, and mm -hmm. uh, you know go to great places of architecture. And similarly, we had a drama class, so every week there was a field trip every evening, uh, or once uh, a week you took an evening trip to go see a theater production in London. Oh wow, that's and awesome. It's pretty amazing. You do a lot of trips, like throughout your uh -huh. life. You've just been everywhere. I feel like you're very. Uh huh. You've been you're a traveler. You're a traveler. <laughs> you're a traveler. You're making me feel well traveled as I think about it. But I've also yeah. I've been around a while, so. <laughs> but this happened. I mean, all like you said, through when you did the moving and stuff, it was when you were our age, and then with the college, mm -hmm. and you went to France too. Yeah. Went to France, and you can get what's called a Eurorail pass. And take the train all over Europe for like a really decent price if you're a student. Mm -hmm. So it's a good college opportunity. So I was able to scrounge together enough money to do that. And I uh, was in Paris and Nice and went to Italy. I was able to see Venice and Rome and Florence. Wow. Took the train up through Switzerland and Germany to <laughs> oh Munich gosh. and then came back across to France. We had that. We had a fall break, so we had a week where we could yes. travel. Um, and that. That's all I could get in in a week. The bummer. That's all you could get in? That's all I could get in. <laughs> I was like, oh, I, could, I would have loved to have gone to Ireland and oh, yeah, Scandinavia, okay. but mm. but that, that was pretty awesome. And yeah, came back. The, the one thing that was disappointing about it was it was so low. 
So I was by myself, which took a little bit of like, fun out of it. Mm-hmm. I can see that, yeah. Because yeah. you are, it is a responsibility then for yourself. You want to share it, it's too. Not, you want to share yeah. that experience. You have somebody to talk to at the end of the yeah. day about, like, oh, look how this is so cool. You know, and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. wandering around Paris and seeing all this cool stuff. It's like, oh, the Eiffel Tower and the Louvre. And, yeah. Uh, but I'm all by myself. And at the end of the day, you know, I'm like, I'm finding some hostel or cheap you know, hotel to stay in. And, mm-hmm. and I never did find uh, you know, language barrier. Mm-hmm. One of my great regrets is I never learned a, another language. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always never, never found other Americans. I, I should have gone to more hostels probably because those are places you can stay where you have more American, you know, college age students who are traveling around. You could talk about what you did that day. Mm-hmm. So there were instances where you would approach someone and there would be that language barrier. Oh, yeah. If you asked for directions and if they spoke French, then it was just. It's like, okay. I, and then my uh, uh, parlay. Yeah, you know, trying to ask them if they spoke English, and then I didn't have much more beyond that. <laughs> that is scary, though. Not only do you language barrier, but then being by yourself. Yeah, I was a little nervous because I. But a lot, a lot of times on the train, what I would do with my Euro pass was I would get a bunk, and then yeah, you know, I have to sleep on the train. But then you're kind of nervous, like you're a young woman traveling, yeah, you know, by yourself, still... and you're really uptight. It's like, where's my money? And <laughs> trying to make sure I got like a dorky looking fanny pack so I can keep it on my body at all times. What would you say then was your favorite country that you visited or place? I love Venice. Venice was just oh, so unique yeah. and different. It was, it was fascinating. Although it smelled <laughs> bad. It bad. smelled, smelled bad. bad. Like all the, all the water and it just wasn't the cleanest. And oh, I've heard good things since the pandemic that actually the canals and the water ran clean yeah. again. Um, I saw mm-hmm. there was a photo with dolphins yes. in the water. Oh, yeah. why, did it, why did it smell bad? Is it just like sewage Just because traffic, pollution, yeah. probably. Traffic all yeah. the time. It stirs up the water. And yeah. Is it true, though, that I think it's in Italy or some European countries that they don't really, the roads are kind of all cobblestone next yeah it's just there's not really you know because i was on the train i didn't get a chance to experience much of of europe although in in england (laughs) driving on the wrong side of the road so to speak wrong side for them was yeah yeah uh, yeah, it was weird but for us the right side (laughs) the right side well um just saved saved by the bell um thank you so much for doing this Um, we're very glad our last Um, episode you're our, our last one yeah Thank you so much, and goodbye. (laughs) Thank you.